are a band that is made up of three members, Landon, Jason, and Hayden. Their last album in 2017, Don't You Worry Honey, had singles such as And Run and High. They jokingly say they're the best band that no one has ever heard of, and there's some truth to that. I highly recommend checking out their music, and it was very exciting to talk to them. Introducing Sir Sly. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with three very special guests, Landon, Jason, and Hayden from... The band, Sir Sly. Hello. Hell yeah. So I've basically like listened, leading up to this interview, I listened to every single project and single you guys have released. And like something that I've mo- noticed the most about it is like, there's like three major themes that I notice. And I want like each of you guys to break down one of the themes that I see at least. I see love, loneliness, and death, which sounds very dark when you like, it sounds dark, but I feel like you guys do a good job of making it not too dark. Like, like when, like in the sixties and seventies, you know, like those, it was a, it was a very dark time, but the music was kind of like upbeat. But if you listen to the lyrics, like all those guys are just going through hell. So I feel like you guys kind of mix that in, but also you guys do have like dark ass songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those those seem like uh, fair. Uh, those are like probably the most generalized themes. Yeah, love, loneliness, and death. Yeah, probably. I so mean, it mirrors it mirrors what was going on, I think, in in a lot of ways over the last um, eight years. Personally, like, I mean, Landon writes 
the vast majority of the lyrics, like I'll like maybe edit here and there, but I feel like that's also, I feel like Landon tends to write truth of what he's experiencing. And I think that that's probably a, an accurate summation, summation of, of what, uh, I mean, we have more to share, of course, with an album mm. coming out from about two years. You know, I think that was like, you know, what Landon was experiencing in his life, right? Yeah. I mean, each album kind of has its own general. I feel like the first album was all about like a certain type of coming of age and mm. um, generally like coming to terms with some of the stuff that I had never written songs about. So like growing up with alcoholism in my family and uh, losing my faith and my mom getting sick. And the second album was about uh, my divorce and my mom dying. And then this third album is about like, it's going to be about falling in love and uh, getting sober. Wow. So getting sober myself, you know, wouldn't have seen that coming on the back in the first album days talking about my dad being an alcoholic, but you know, hmm. runs in the family. So Jason, where do you fit into this? Like, what are your emotions when you like hear like love, death and loneliness from these two other guys in the group? Um, I mean, so Landon wrote most of the lyrics, but I guess I can relate a little bit to them because I don't, I don't share the same, I don't think I share the same hardships that Landon's <laughs> have gone through, like, honestly, but, um, I think it comes, for me, it comes out in a different way if I'm just, it's hard to describe just the way it comes out musically, like LP3, I think the juxtaposition of like a lot of the heavy, heavy, um, topics and like the lighter sounding music is really interesting for me um when i hear landon talk about you know some of these dark things i think it's cool to it's cool to lean into that too with like songs like oh mama like that track leans into that um but then you have songs like alter which also is a really dark song about you know what he went through with his divorce and but it's super anthemic and I don't know. It's just, I don't really have an answer for you, but I just like, I like pairing sounds in different ways against his lyrics um, to make it interesting and to make them shine. So if you guys like listen to your, I don't know if every artist listens to their music back, like in the car or whatever, but like Landon, if like you're listening to your music over, do you get like PTSD from that time period or do you, is it more just like reminiscent and therapy therapeutic? Uh, I don't, I don't listen to any of our music after we release it. I listen oh. to it a lot while we're working on it because um, I'm obsessive. And I think <laughs> all, I think Hayden and I are pretty similar in that way. I think Jason will like visit stuff, but, uh, but not quite as much as Hayden and I listen to it while we're working on it. Jason's always kind of on to the next. He's a little bit more that way, always looking forward and making new stuff. I'm like, I get pretty obsessive about like, am I falling in love with this song? Is it sticking for me? What kind of songs are fitting together? So I do that a lot while we're making stuff. Um, and typically it's just, yeah, like, do uh, does anything start to grate on me? Like, do any of these lyrics, are they not sitting the correct way? Does that mean that the song's not really coming from the correct angle? Is the story for the album all there? That's the kind of stuff I'm paying attention to. Um, but I think because I've been writing about 
I've been writing autobiographical kind of stuff for such a long time. And it's a way of um, kind of sorting out and dealing with what I'm going through at the time. And it's a way of being honest with myself and trying to maybe get some of that stuff out. I realized like looking back on those albums that there was stuff that I was talking about that I, at the time or writing about that I didn't even know was the way I felt about something. Cause I write pretty quickly and a lot of times I improvise lyrics and then I'll just commit them to the song. And then I'll look back and be like, Oh, that was actually like kind of the cornerstone of how I was feeling at that point in time. And I hadn't even really, um, it escaped my mouth before I had really like started to mull it over. So they end up kind of being these little, I mean, trophies is probably the wrong word, but like these weird cornerstones that I can look back on and be like, Oh man, like I was unhappy in my relationship before I even, before I even started, like, that's not something I would have talked about in therapy um, because I wasn't consciously thinking about it, but it's something that came out in a song. So I wouldn't say like, it's definitely not, um, PTSD type of thing. And since I don't listen to stuff after we release it, typically I don't get those types of flashbacks, mm. but particularly sometimes because we take so long to release stuff and we work on it for so long or, you know, stuff gets caught up in the label pipeline or whatever the case may be. And we're trying to plan a rollout or, you know, whatever industry jargon you want to use. Um, it gives me time, I think to, especially with this album, I've looked back and been like, man, a lot of cha a lot has changed for me since getting sober two years ago and listening to an album from that was written half while I wasn't sober and then half getting sober. It's really nice. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the state of mind that I'm in now feeling a lot more healthy and stable and connected to the people around me. So this time around, it's actually been a source of a lot of gratitude. And then I think in previous albums, I was just depressed. You, there's not really like piling it on. Wasn't any worse necessarily. It was just a constant state of like escape and depression, right. but it's nice this time around. I feel a lot of gratitude listening back to the music because I'm in a lot better place now. Hell yeah. So Jason Hayden, do you guys ever have to like edit him even though he's like the lead vocalist and writer? I mean, I think we like, we all, there is, it's a very collaborative process in the studio. I think so I don't think of it as like having to, to edit much of, I mean, in part of the time, I think the most interesting stuff is the stuff that comes out unedited in like a lot of ways, the stuff that comes out quickly. So yeah, I don't feel like there's a need to edit, but I do think there is this feeling of listening back to something and knowing it's the best, something is communicated in the most kind of the purest way possible, like the best distillation of what was happening that feels really satisfying. Like, um, and so I think that's like always what we're after. Never like, never really like redirecting or changing um, what feels good and right to any of us, but just making sure it's like the purest expression of what we were trying to, to put out, I think in a, in a lot of ways. And that's what, I think that's why, like it was interesting when you asked about, does it feel, traumatic like listen or you know yeah kind of traumatic listening back to stuff um and it may be different because it's a little closer to autobiographical for Landon but like when a song is really done right it feels way more gratifying than traumatic even if the event may have been something that wasn't so 
gratifying just because it's like when you can, when you're able to express yourself in conversation and feel like, wow, I said what I really meant or like I said, oh, I, that came across the right way. That's to me how like a good song feels when, done, when we all mm -hmm. collapse. Like, oh, it was done the right way. That feels like the whole package. So, yeah. And it's crazy because like you say, it's like autobiographical, but it's, I feel like your audience like can really relate to it. Like it's their own experiences, which is, it's crazy that music can do that, even though it's like sometimes songs are very personal about the writer. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as reading, uh, reading fiction or like you could read ancient Greek classics and be like, oh my gosh, I'm Homer, you know, <laughs> like, or like I'm, I'm Odysseus. I am like away from home. I'm trying to like find my place or whatever. I'm going on this crazy journey. It's like, that's me. And uh, it's fiction. You know, Plato had that that theory that fiction was actually realer than real life in a lot of ways. And I think that's the same for other people. It's you hear somebody else expressing their emotions or talking about something they're going through. And like the amount of times that people have come up to me and been like, man, you know, that's like, oh, mama really helped me when my sister died or when so-and-so died or, and uh, that's just, you know, it's, it's about me. So it's not fiction, but it is like, it's the same type of theory. I think it's like hearing somebody else ex express a similar emotion. There's a feeling of connectedness there that makes you feel a little bit safer, a little bit less out in the wilderness by yourself there. You might be going through something very alone, but just knowing that somebody else has been through it and they're still, you know, they're still out there kicking is uh, really positive. Um, I think it's a very positive energy to be putting into the universe and to be putting into the world. Um, I think songwriting and art hinges upon that type of honesty because that's what makes it um, relatable. That's what makes it valuable. And long lasting. Like that does not seem like an album that came out like three years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the goal is always to make something that's a little more timeless, you know? You can ride the waves of certain things. I think from a sonic perspective, it's, it is important to be growing and learning and to be drawing inspiration from, from various places. But um, if you're ever trying to be of the time, you're, you're going to miss it. You're going to make something that, that sounds like shit in the long run, I think. Unless you're a TikTok artist and they're fucking capitalizing on that shit. For one song at a time. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Like I just, um, I mean, good for them though. You know, like music takes all shapes and, and sizes and it's, you know, it comes out in different forms and it does different things for different people. I think that for us as a band and for me particularly, um, I can only speak for myself, I guess that music has always been about, uh, connectedness in some way and something that I want to re-listen to over and over again, an album that's going to stick with me. And, it's not always been about like, I don't know. I don't really think about songs that I like party to or like that often. I mostly think about the things that like I want to sing along to, or they take on a different kind of meaning. Like I still think about like the time I cried listening to run by snow patrol when I was 14 years old. And it's like, I want to make those kinds of songs. I want to make stuff that people want to have. Um, they want to buy and hold on to and keep, 
for years and they want to be like this is the song like show their kids like this is the album i listened to growing up or this helped me through this time or whatever it was Mm -hmm. do you guys know who duncan trussell is i don't think so he's a comedian he has like a netflix special he's a podcaster and he just do you guys know what adventure time is like yeah so basically he um, collaborated with one of the creators of Adventure Time to make a Netflix show called Midnight Gospel. And oh, oh I've seen Midnight Gospel. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's dope. Yeah. It's ba- basically, what he does is he just cuts his podcast audio and makes that the dialogue for the Adventure Time themed show. And the uh, the last episode is basically like the whole podcast episode with his mom before she passed away. And I thought it was really interesting. And like it kind of, cause I had watched all of midnight gospel before I listened to your guys' album. And I was like, Oh, this reminds me of Oh mama. And it was, it was just crazy. how I connected it to like, I think everyone should, if you're an artist, at least should have some type of like, um, timestamp with like a close relative that you can like use creatively, like down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I mean, that's, I'll I'll harp on it till the day I die, but there's, there's a lot of people in the music business and stuff who will be like, you know, it's about making hits. It's about, it's about that sing along tune that everybody doesn't even matter what the lyric is. You hear that a lot these days. Like the lyric doesn't matter. It's everybody's going to remember the melody. And it's like, I mean, really, truly fuck that. That sounds (laughs) like a nightmare. If, if all you're there for is to like have the jingle that's going to sell the cell phone or the car or whatever it is like making money is nice. Of course, like it's really (laughs) great to be able to like put food on the table and pay the rent and all that kind of stuff. But like, what is the best to me is writing something that expresses myself. Like that's sorting out a bit of who I am a piece at a time, a song at a time is why I started doing this. And it's something I'm not going to be able to escape it really like makes my, it gives me chills in like a bad way. When I hear people talk about songwriting in a way that to me feels like really um, devalues what music is capable of doing. Yeah. So Jason, like both you and Hayden are kind of like instrumentalists, but like what do you guys both offer to the band that stands out differently compared to Landon? Who's like the main vocalist. Um. I mean, we all play, we all wear many hats. I mean, I, we do all the, the records out of my studio, which you can see part of it here. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, we, you know, I do a lot of key stuff. Um, I mixed most of this last record. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We all, we all like our producers in our own right. Um, so we're all like really collaborative about that. Um, and just, working on i usually have a bunch of um i'm constantly working on like instrumentals and stuff um so we do this thing called like show and tell um when we show up to the studio so a bunch of tracks or like little like jumping points um which is i think how we mostly start our days like just trying to figure out what to do and how to if if the other guys like gravitate towards a certain instrumental or hayden will have you know, some instrumentals as well. And we'll just uh, go from there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of see myself as like the, uh, the tech guy 
big yeah. creative tech guy. I'm not just no, I'm not just ones and zeros, but I do, I do love. That's part of the reason I love producing, mixing, and like making music. It's like sort of a puzzle. I love tinkering and like, you know, I, I build my own computers and stuff like that, and just like figuring out why things work, why this drum part will work with this synth, and how it will sit sonically into this little. Um, you know, there's two channels of audio, so how will I fit that in there, and how will everything cut through perfectly? I don't know. Just damn, I'm I'm a tech guy. I guess. Did, <laughs> I did you go to school yeah. for this, or is it like self-taught? No, it's all self-taught. Um, I wa oh. I mean, I watch a lot of stuff now in quarantine. I've just been like trying new stuff, like learning things from. There's just so much content online now that you can. I don't know. Go. I thought about going to school. Um. I'm kind of glad I didn't because I think I I think you can get put in a box like doing things the right way. Like I still claim that I'm I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I just kind of if it sounds good to me then let's roll with it. It doesn't really ma matter how you get there. It's just like that uh, is the right way. <laughs> it is the way. Yeah, I guess so. Jason's uh, underselling himself by the way to like on a on like the on he's talking about like, you know, the the technical aspects of things but i think like on a more metaphysical level like what he brings to the table is like constant progression too and like that searching for like new like searching for the new all the time has really helped us as a band like pushing what we do sonically has always brought out new things out of all of us i think it's brought new things out of the way that hayden plays drums and and writes and uses, you know, different sounds. It's brought out new ways for me of like singing or fitting what I'm trying to say around something new and exciting has always driven us. I think that that type of like spirit of like adventure, like sonic adventure and progression has been, uh, has been incredible for us. Hell yeah. So what about, um, Jason, what's this no coalition thing that you have? Like on your Instagram, you have like a website and, uh, tag to it that's just kind of like the name i chose for my studio i don't really i used to do these sessions um where i would have this room looked way different this was like a live room before where bands would record um you could fit a full band in here to play live wow. so i used to do sessions with other bands kind of like uh what's like the modern like i tried to i wanted to be like from the basement have you ever seen that thing with uh nigel goodrich i have not Radiohead. but I, I think i know what you're talking about though um, yeah, it's just like I tried to, I don't know, I I tried to do like cool live performances in here and I used the name Noise Coalition. So, but that's kind of the, that's like the, that's the name of my studio, basically. That's dope. So what made you guys make this your like the the home base studio? Just because Jason made it or how did it come? It's literally not a better happened. studio. And the only studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working, we were working, I worked with Hayden Landon previous to this band and their other band and i think it just was a natural progression we started writing music together and started releasing music under sir sly and then we just kept doing music out of here we've done we've done other stuff out of other studios like we did that last um our the song called all, all your love with uh billy corgan we did that out of barefoot in la it's fun to like it's fun to see other studios as well i love i actually love working out of other studios just to like steal people's tricks and bring them back to my place but hell yeah the energy at it's every all in the spirit of different. learning 
So where are you guys all? Are you guys all in the same city right now? Or are you guys all in different parts of the U.S.? Or we're all Southern California. I'm L.A. Like I live in a neighborhood called West Adams. Um, Landon lives in Silver Lake or Echo Park, and Jason's in Costa Mesa, like in Orange County. So we're like in it. We're we're all within an hour. Like, but we haven't been together. Jason was mentioning Show and Tell, and I'm like, man, I kind of miss Show and Tell. <laughs> <laughs> long time um we haven't we haven't been together too much this year just uh like filming a video or a shoot here and there but yeah wait where was that um material boy video shot at um we did two places so we had a uh, one location was in this you mean the live uh, one the one where you like eating the money and stuff oh yeah that, the actual music video yeah, uh, one was in a in like a, a mansion in like Simi Valley or somewhere up above there, which was pretty crazy. Camarillo, right? Yeah, maybe it was even yeah Camarillo. Um, and then the other was like Landon was on location with the director. You guys were in kind of like the Sierra, right? Yeah, like south of Mammoth. There's some campgrounds, and then some of it was shot actually up in Mammoth too, like up. There's some hiking and stuff up there that we, some trails and things that we kind of drove around and then lugged heavy gear yeah. into the wilderness and just shot. <laughs> it was like, I mean, the, the the video concept came first, but I feel like the reason why we ended up really running with it was because like we had all been inside for months and months and months. And so we went and took, you know, we went and got the COVID test and like stayed uh, in our apartments after getting the negatives and then went and like had an excuse to go on a camping trip. So it was me and Kevin and our um, director of photography, Adrian, and we just went on a camping trip and uh, Kevin brought his fly fishing gear and uh, I got to float on a bubble in a little <laughs> tiny river and did a bunch of wonky stuff. And then the, the mansion part of it was more like proper music video, but you know, we had like the COVID safety officer on set and everybody was all masked up all the time and a uh, lovely group of people, but definitely a strange situation to make a music video in. Mm -hmm. What was that like rock TV thing in the bedroom? That was made. Um, you can, I gosh, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember the set designer's name. Um, but yeah, he made, he made these like big fake rocks and then we stuck a computer monitor, like he stuck a computer monitor in there. And then we were playing old behind the scenes footage from the high music video mm. while we were like in that bedroom scene. I thought someone like used that as like a normal TV on like everyday <sighs> life. I'd be like, what the hell? No. And that was like the. <laughs> One of the first, one of the first like concepts that Kevin came to me with after we were, cause all I sent to him was a text message that said, I think a music video of me force speeding or like being force fed money would be cool. And then that, like the idea started to grow from there. And he was talking about this like surreal back and forth between nature and feeling isolated inside. And maybe the bridge between the two was this like rock TV so that was one of the first things that he oh, wanted to nail down was like how to how to work that out that I'm like sitting and watching a TV while like eating money. Did you actually eat it or did you like spit it out at the end? It's not it wasn't real money. It's like fondant basically, like really well printed fondant. 
Wow. So it's super, super thin, but it basically tastes exactly like eating paper. It was awful. And it turns into this like thick paste. It would have been impossible to swallow anyway without choking. So I would just like kind of shove it in and chew it and then like spit it out after every take. Wow. So you guys made Material Boy like a year or two ago though, right? The song? Yeah, I think it's probably a year old. Do you think yeah. would your guys' like um idea on how you would have directed have been different if there wasn't COVID? Or do you think it would still came out as like the same type of video? Yeah, there was a there were a couple different concepts that were that I was kicking around with Kevin. Because Kevin did uh Kevin directed high and and run as well. So I wrote and worked closely with him on those. And then for this, the idea originally actually that we were trying to pitch and get the money to do, I wanted to do like a music video for every song on the album and to do this like three prong, like storyline where everything connects and there's like three different characters and story art, like intersecting story arcs and all this stuff. We had it all written and done and it was just going to cost way too much money to be able to do mm. um so that was the first concept and then there was another concept that we ended up kind of using like a bit of that for um for little deaths the goth kind of thing that we just put out but that was a second idea for material boy it was going to be this like all these goths at a house party at like a but like mixing it with a pool party too which i thought would be funny like goth pool party i don't it's i don't think goths really have pool parties but everybody was going to have like everybody attending the party was going to have these cameras like different kinds of cameras and so it was going to be shot from like you know 30 different perspectives or whatever with all these odd little like thrift store cameras and stuff um so it went through a bunch of different varieties but the house party was not going to happen with covid you can't have that many people on set and like uh that just was not going to work out crew plus that many screen actors was not going to work um so yeah i mean i'm constantly trying to kick kick around stuff with kevin but we landed on this because it was a good struck a balance between feeling like a normal music video but it was also pretty covid safe Mm -hmm. like i've been like pretty like i've been quarantined like most of the time during this whole pandemic but sometimes i go out and like so most of my friends are like in college or they're like out of state. So like the friends that I have made while I've been in town is like usually just other artists. And like I was, um, yesterday I was with one of my friends and I showed them the little death song and they're like, Holy shit. The, the hook about the clinging to clinging to love, like a cigarette. They're like, it's so simple, but perfect. I was like, yeah, it's like interesting to show artists music versus like showing your friends music. Like I feel like artists appreciate other artists music more than like just a normal average Joe, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to not make music. So it's hard for me to understand maybe what a non-musician likes about music. Yeah. But I was just talking with my girlfriend about this, actually, where you, we were watching something about some, like some behind the scenes about somebody making a song. And she was like, ah, oh, man, this is so hard for me to watch because it just makes me want to go make something like, I feel like I'm, I need to go make something and you know, I don't have the tools available to really do that kind of thing. Um, or like sometimes at this point in life, like the energy or like the, 
when you know something's not going to be able to come out or you know you're not going to be able to play live or whatever, it can feel a little defeating. Um, and I totally get that. Like I listen to the same albums I've listened to for years and I listen to them and they immediately make me want to go make music. Um, and I feel that's that I don't know what it's like to listen to music and just simply enjoy it. I start to dissect it or I start to, it makes me go like, Oh, that would be cool. If I kind of like that song is making me think of like this feeling that I have. So I want to write about it this way. Or like, I wish we could just get into the studio and start making album for tomorrow. Right. Um, So Hayden, like when um, you guys release just the vocals for material boy, do you guys, do you guys get like jealous or do you appreciate it when someone's, like just changes the beat completely. Like I just interviewed Ricky Desktop, who remixed uh, Material Boy. It just it sounds completely different compared to what you yeah. guys went with. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm. I think you know we like. I like. I'm always like, especially with Ricky Desktop. That was such a thing. I, I like, just out of curiosity, probably more than anything, of like um, a person's name we we'd seen around and heard. <laughs> bunch of music evade and so no i completely am like i feel so detached releasing the music is like the last step until you play it live which is like a whole other revisiting of the song in like a completely different way but i think like once it's released i feel no attachment to the music i feel 95 mm. percent no attachment to the music once we're done making it like and, and i've like listened back like obsessed over it like kind of like landon's described and then and then decide like this is something that I feel great about that feels representative of us. And then I'm like kind of done with it. And then releasing it is like, cool. That is like the last, that is the finish line. And so at that point, it's just uh, curiosity. I think it's cool. I think it's cool that anyone would find some level of spark in the, in the song to, to remix it in whatever way they choose. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I liked listening to what he came up with. Yeah. Make it Came up with a cool one, um, and uh, this artist, Teenage Priest, too, is a friend of ours. He came up with a really cool kind of deep house take on it, and you know that stuff's really fun to me. Yeah, you guys like started right like with your with Gold even did that right? That people remix that. Yeah, yeah, that one was pretty exciting because we had Vic Mensa yeah. and Cottontail, who is like uh, he's kind of like Chance the Rapper's like musical director and one of his collaborators and producers and uh and they did that that was a really fun one actually just to hear um when you have like a we have like an artist a rapper who you're like you're always like curious like if he put out a track i would be like oh i wonder what his verse is going to be like on this and then it's like over kind of the bed of our own music um that was exciting yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's with um ricky desktop like 30 minutes before i interviewed him he just got signed so that was it was crazy timing and it's, it's interesting. Cause like now you guys kind of have a little bit of like a TikTok lane because he's a TikTok producer and got signed from TikTok and like remixed your guys' songs. That's kind of a cool twist. Yeah. And that's where we heard of him from. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's how I, that's how I heard how we heard his music. I think Jason made the suggestion and I was like, man, that's a good idea. That's, that should be interesting to hear. Um, yeah, certain people are like so good at, and I have like, I think with TikTok, like definitely still figuring out the platform, like what it means like personally in terms of like, I'm like, I don't know how much value I have to add 
mm-hmm. like on TikTok, but I do think like like I'll post like a I think I posted like something of me hiking because like that's the that's the leisure activity I do. Like I'm not gonna film. It's hard. It's really like it would be very complicated to like film the studio process. Like I can sort of try to do that. And then other than that, I'm like hiking. But I think like people more power to like the Ricky desktops of the world that that have this. Um, his his music has a way of sticking on that platform in a really interesting way. And I think that's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad he got signed. Good for him. Yeah. It was cool to see how like, to hear like his background. He, um, he had like, he has like a list of names of like alter egos he goes through. And if one doesn't work, he just goes to the next one. So like Ricky desktop was just the next on the list of other alter egos he had. And it just ended up sticking. And he's like, if this, if this ends up not working down the road, I'll just switch to another one. I have one set up right next. I was like, crazy. That is, yeah, in so many ways, like, it feels so different from, like, what, yeah, like, Surfside feels like we've invested, like, eight years or whatever. It's been nine years until, like, you be this band and you try to, like, I want to be able to go to, like, Omaha and, like, play to a thousand people and then, like, Des Moines and also play to a thousand people and then, like, um, and then I think sometimes you reach, you could be risky desktop and like your reach is instantaneous and it's online and it's like, uh, I don't know. There's a, uh, there's so uh, yeah, it's a fascinating time for yeah. music. That's crazy. What type of music, what type of music do you guys like listen to? Do you guys listen to, you guys are like alternative indie. I don't even know how to describe what genre you're in. So I feel like I listen to a lot of indie rock. I think I'm like all over the, I like, I just sort of fluctuates. Like I go through phases where like Landon mentioned Fortet when we were kind of warming up the conversation. Like that's one of my favorite like producers and electronic musicians of all time. Like that's something that I'll go to when I'm feeling like listening to electronic music. But for some reason in the past eight months or so, something in the, the, uh, the angst of indie rock has been doing it for me. And like the, um, I think I miss playing I think I miss playing like in a band, like, you know, as we haven't been doing that. So maybe that's to psychoanalyze my music tastes. So like, um, yeah, I've been listening to like, I've really been into this Fleet Foxes record that came out. I think it was just super, and I'm not the biggest Fleet Foxes fan traditionally, but I just love, it's a really like gracious, warm, full album. And I think that it's musically super interesting. And so yeah, we're really all across the map. Like Radiohead and Beck, if you if you had to draw like a through line, <laughs> Radiohead and Beck would like probably be closest to like our center field, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that we we all like branch out. I don't know. What are you listening? What are you guys listening to right now, Jason? Podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. This artist called Remy Wolf. Um, I've been really into. Um, uh, Hayden, Hayden, you showed me Soccer Mommy. Yeah. I just started like getting into it, which is cool. I think it, I, I heard her song Exploder, which made me go down that, that little rabbit hole. Did, um, did she Circle the Drain? I haven't heard it. I want to listen to that. Yeah, Circle the Drain. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I think I've actually, yeah, I've been actually list, listening to more band stuff too. I think maybe if you asked me that question a month ago, I was listening to a lot of like electronic and house stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Back to the, back to the indie rock, I guess like Hayden. That's surprising. 
I didn't. I feel like you ha- you haven't gone through a like a listening to a lot of bands phase in maybe a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. What podcast do you listen to? It's all boring stuff like finance. <laughs> 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 like, um, and like news stuff. Um, but hit actually hit Hayden came through with another good wreck. Um, what was that one called? Hayden? I started listening to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's Jamie Liddell. Uh, hanging It'll... out with audio files or something like that. It just like, kind of does a deep dive into different artists and like, it has like a tech side to it. So I like nerding out on that. Um, stuff like song exploders, super interesting to me, just being able to like dissect songs and the recording process and the process of making music is super interesting. Um, you should, ch- you should check out the Duncan Trussell podcast. It was called the Duncan Trussell family hour. And he's just the, he's the weirdest podcaster I've ever heard in my entire life. Like his intros are just random as hell and like they make no sense and then he'll just bring on like random guests that are like we'll have on like one one episode have like a satanist on and the next episode have like a wizard on and then another episode will be joe rogan like he has like it'll just completely completely random and um i like joe rogan too but he kind of he's kind of saying the same things over and over right now first like leading up to the election it was all about the election which made sense but now it's just like covid which makes sense too but he's just saying the same thing to the his guests over and over so it's kind of just it's kind of depressing so then also like do you know who the brilliant idiots are <clears throat> they're you know the breakfast club like charlemagne the god mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah he has a he has a podcast with andrew schultz who's another comedian and um andrew schultz just came out with the netflix special too which which is pretty cool and um, they have a they have a podcast together too. I listen to like, I like, I like Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte's actually he he started out kind of as a dick though, like in t- or like the early days of radio. But now he's like, he's definitely like matured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landon, I think you would really like. Uh, I didn't know that that was the guy that did Midnight Gospel, but like I watched a few episodes of that. But I feel like you would find it super interesting. And yeah, it I've sounds been, up my alley. The yeah. whole. Real, kind of, like animating animating conversations it's like yeah. that um uh harman quest when they all got together and played dungeons and dragons and then they animated the their actual dungeons and dragons experiences afterwards yeah yeah and it's very like spiritual and very like in a in a really interesting way like he he's not afraid to go very deep like at any time which i think is yeah crazy. Yeah. No small talk. Mm-hmm. No small talk about that life. So yeah, small talk is me? Yeah. Um I don't listen to a ton of music. I listen to the same stuff over and over again basically. Like uh I have this on my turntable right now is a uh is a Beach Boys album. And I'm okay. listening. It's just like a compilation album, which I skip some of the songs on. Like, I don't really want to know. Like, I don't really want to listen about how his school is the best. But for some reason, I really love uh, the first track on this on this album is uh, Get Around. And that song is just so good. Uh, but like my favorite band of all time is Radiohead. I'd say like In Rainbows and OK Computer, are like flawless albums. Um they haven't put out a bad record in my opinion. They've never put out a bad album. Um, 
LCD sound system, oh. some of that like cross section of uh, out there electronics meets guitar uh, rhythm, like mixture of like synth bass and like drum samples next to real drums, like those really nice, like you're standing right next to the drums kind of situation. I really like the way that uh, I really like when rock bands do a mixture of those things. Are you describing the new Sir Sly? Just describe Sir Sly. I, yeah. I think, you know, it's like the inspiration is obvious. Like I like stuff like Beck because it's, and I want to make stuff that sounds like interesting sounding band music from people who don't listen to band music all the time. I listen to a lot of hip hop too when I'm listening to music. Um, I went through like a massive young thug kick where like all I wanted to listen to was uh, beautiful thugger girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, that album is also like perfect. Um, but yeah, like when I'm in the car, usually like back before COVID and before my car got stolen, I, Sorry. when I was in the, when I was in the car, I would listen to talk radio. Oh, wow. Listen to a lot of NPR. So like stay up a little bit on the news, but I also like that they just do like random book reviews or talk to authors or so-and-so specialist on this thing comes in. And I, I think I just like taking in little bits of new information from different places. Um, a lot of times when it's talking about like financial stuff, I kind of, I, you know, skip out. I'm like, I don't really Honestly, care what's happening with the Dow Jones. That's when, Jason, uh, that's when I, that's when I perk That's up. when Jason tunes in. <laughs> But I like This American Life and I like, um, yeah. I was, my my ex uh, went to school for sociology and was involved in that kind of stuff. And so I got pretty into, uh, like anytime sociological kind of stuff comes up where people are talking about, you know, the bits and bobs of society and why things are the way they are, or maybe how things might be shifting. I really like that kind of stuff and pay attention. I like the way that it influences the way I look at people and the way I maybe get outside of myself a little bit and able to understand somebody else's perspective. I think that's really important in this day and age too, with a lot of what's happening with like black lives matter and that kind of stuff. So I, I like talk radio for that reason. And then music, uh, it's really the same stuff over and over again. Stephen Stevens, Carrie and Lowell, like that'll be one of my favorite records forever. And I just kind of put on the same stuff that I like, because listening to new stuff can kind of be like this treacherous slog of like listening to 10 to 15 seconds of a song and being like, I'm not there. Like I'm not in on this one. I can't get into it. And I remember hearing a story about somebody like it was Rolling Stones or somebody back in the day, they would have like their assistant or like somebody for them go and buy like all the new records that had come out and they would put them on. And if, whatever came on didn't catch them in like the first 15 to 20 seconds, they would just kind of like toss it off. Like this is I'm out. Damn. And that's a little bit the way I am with music where it's like, if, if it's not interesting right away, or if I don't believe the person who's singing within the first little bit, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not there. Mm. So maybe sometimes it comes back around and I hear about it later. And somebody's like, no, you should really give this a try. And I'm like, okay, I will. But typically new music can be a bit of a slog for me because it's just a bunch of stuff that i you know, searching for the diamond in the rough. It's like, I'll leave that to a like record A&Rs. I just listen to my own comfort stuff over and over again. Wait, so what happened to your car? It just got stolen? 
Yeah, my car got stolen out of my carport. Damn. Like my little parking space down below my apartment. Huh? That sucks. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and I also had like, I I had a bunch of like ID in there because I had been meaning to go to the DMV to get a real ID. And so like I had all my shit stolen. So hopefully nobody steals my identity, but it doesn't look that way. So that's awesome. Just without a car and COVID obviously makes it really difficult to like want to like take an Uber to go get the necessary items in order to go figure out whatever. But I'll I'll get a car soon again, I guess. Yeah. Just just drop an album and then you then you can get a car. <laughs> yeah, I mean it sh- it wouldn't be too difficult like I'm lucky that I uh I'm really really frugal. Like I, I you know, I eat like rice and black beans and uh I'm not really like a very spendy person. So I have money to go buy a car when the time comes. I just I I've been stuck like my license expired. And then like getting to the DMV and all this stuff, it's been a nightmare. But I applied for one and I I should get it soon. And then when I get my license, I'll be able to go get a car. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm like these guys know I I'm working on it and I'm better in my sobriety than I was before when I was getting drunk every day. But like um I barely made it through high school. Like I I'm not a very responsible person. Like typically like paying bills on time was something I never did. I never paid a parking ticket on time until I got sober. So I'm learning some of these things that maybe comes more naturally to, to your average person. I'm learning them slowly, but surely, but, uh, responsibility has never been my, uh, I'm pretty head in the clouds a lot of times. So I'm learning, I'm learning slowly, but surely. What have you guys like learned about yourselves during this whole pandemic? Like I stayed home like five months straight like when this first broke out that shit sucked but like a lot of self-reflection so start with you hayden man that's a good question i'm definitely still digesting what i've learned about myself um i think i'm starting to realize a little more of what i was talking about this with my partner yesterday like what I need in a day to make me happy. Like, I think it's like oftentimes really simple. And I think that's just like sort of an interesting thing, whether it's, whether it's a little time outside, whether it's a little time alone, whether it's time with, you know, I don't know. I just think like, I don't even have a full answer to that, but for some reason mm-hmm. that's really been on my mind lately. I think probably cause you're spending so much time in one place. And I think I'm just thinking a lot about what, um, yeah, not complicated or material things in that sense, but more just like what do I mentally and emotionally like need each day that's that's pretty much like within myself, but how do I get there each day? Like, um, so yeah, that's like a, it's definitely an in-process answer, but like um, that's the type of stuff I think I've been thinking about of like when I have nothing at my disposal, when there's no distractions, when there's no you're going here, this, it's like what are the ways to access some of that like, that joy and, and some of that, like those really, you know, yeah. Each day. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's usually walking outside for me getting to, uh, I've gotten to yeah. be outside and to be, um, a, a good spot for me, but yeah. It's like recharging kind of, even if it's not like a beautiful day out, just being outside is, it can be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And what I've, what I've learned about like relationships it's 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 actually important to like 
have alone time sometimes just like with yourself and like sometimes it's hard to communicate that because like you might love that person but like being alone is like very important sometimes yeah being alone together is an interesting being alone with another person i think is also a really interesting kind of acquired skill that's yeah that i because is like important this this feeling of like you can be with someone but also recharge i think that's kind of the holy grail in in a relationship with another person yeah for sure so jason you're up next yeah i think kind of building on what hayden was saying i think i've just realized how lucky i am like i have everything that i need and i've also realized how scarily antisocial i am or like introverted i am like i'm just perfectly fine being by myself forever well i i'm married (laughs) um but yeah i i don't know it's just been i have i have friends that you know they say they miss going out and and miss like yeah i I guess i i miss hey it sounds so bad I, I, i guess i don't really miss Human human interaction is just something that is not super important to me outside of like the people in my very close circle, I guess. Um, And I'm realizing like, you know, who those people are and, and just how, how important family is too. Cause I don't know. I just realized that my parents live like 15 minutes away and I would see them once a week and they're getting older um, but with this whole, you know, COVID, it's been kind of hard to like see them outside of like, so I just had a, I just had a kid as well. So that's a whole nother topic of what I've learned, but, um, just like how I need to, I don't know, cherish them more and be more involved with family, I guess. Um, that was a big takeaway for this whole quarantine season. You had a kid during quarantine? Yeah, it was Damn. quite a quite an adventure. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that was a whole nother, because like, you know, there's no babysitting and the, uh, no visitors in the hospital. So like, you kind of just do everything yourself these days, which is fine because I'm not on the road. Um, so I can be more present doing that stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know, are, lots of stuff like, happened during quarantine. <laughs> are like Hayden and Landon like the uncles then? They, yeah, the <laughs> uncles. Yeah, I've cool. seen her once. One time. I think, right? Oh, I haven't seen her twice. I, I came down to pick up some yeah. drought. Like and I said, we. I, like, yeah. I, I worry that like she yeah. hasn't seen outside of my parents. My mom has started, um, started babysitting her, which has been great. Um, but like she hasn't really seen people, which is going to be interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting. I didn't really think of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully she's young enough where it doesn't really matter, but I don't know. I just don't know how she's going to be with strangers. Like right now she doesn't think there's more than f- six people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Which is yeah. wild. Yeah. Man, but yeah, one day I I envision uh, being uh, yeah I don't know about a you know an, an uncle she's got her own but I'd like uh, but 
having (laughs) yeah not really i guess but having uh it's like you know i think yeah she's like a part of the uh we're we're also connected in a certain way whether we're making music touring together whatever it is so it's cool we welcome her into that as well you know um yeah hell yeah so what have you learned landon um You know, I'm sure I've learned a lot. I've, I have learned, I think, how to show up as a better partner for my girlfriend on a consistent basis. Um, but I think I learned, here, here's what's difficult, is that I remember saying this early in quarantine when people were like, wow, you know, I'm having so much revelation. Like, I'm, I'm really learning so much about myself from being alone. I'm like, I was alone a lot for years while I was drinking. I was very, very isolated. I got sober. I started doing 12 step meetings. I was like around and like being out of isolation was really important for me. Like being connected with other people. I went through like a huge period of self-discovery and like growth before quarantine happened. And I was doing a lot of that. And so I was kind of like, wow, good for everybody else. But like, I had a pretty healthy thing going, you know, I, there weren't like these, you know, some people realize like, wow, I'm like unhealthily attached to like going out to the bars or like to these weird social things or like other people are having these great, like, wow, I'm really, I was eating like crap. And now I'm on this great cook at home and like health food kick and stuff. It's like, I had done a lot of that stuff like pretty gratuitously for a year or so. And I had a pretty healthy routine going, like waking up, like having a good sleep schedule, all this stuff. And so I've just kind of resented the whole thing. I don't, I, I feel like I've learned bits of how to navigate having those things stripped away, but it's really not ideal. I I think, um, all the stuff that I was like, I was practicing like a lot of gratitude and meditation and stuff previous to quarantine. And I feel like what it, I was really living in gratitude for those things. Like I'm so grateful to be able to go to the studio and work on music. I'm so grateful to like enjoy and respect the people I work with on like in that musical sphere. I was, I'm really grateful for my partner and for my family and for like uh, my sobriety and the people that I'm connected to in my sobriety and generally what I've had is just, I'm uh, I've just had a year of not having full access to those things, which um, I mean, I'm sure that'll change the dynamic when they're available. And it's, I think mostly what I, what I've realized is like, and I'm sure a lot of people have realized this, but like I took for granted, I think the ease and the comfort with which we are allowed to just navigate the world. Usually going to the grocery store, having exchanging a pleasantry with a cashier or whatever it is. Like I miss those things. I miss grabbing a meal at the grocery store and just like eating a ready to go sandwich outside and like people watching and like watching people chat with each other and stuff. Cause I'm not the most extroverted person. It takes a lot of work and an energy for me to, like get up and go out and socialize. Um, 
but I, I do it cause it's healthy for me. I do it cause it's, it's better than being isolated. Um, and there are parts that I enjoy to it, but now it's, it's, uh, just a whole different level of difficulty and, yeah. you know, having people I'm close to be immune compromised as well. Like I'm even further shut down and like really, really, really careful. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, this, this whole season has brought up a lot of things in that sense too. It's, I, I think I'm learning that I'm, it's very easy for me to judge other people and to be resentful over their behaviors and choices because maybe they don't see how it's affecting, um, other people. Like, you know, you see the stats about hospitals and stuff, but you don't realize, I think a lot of people don't realize what that means for people who are going through non COVID related illnesses or whatever it is. And I think that type of stuff has been, um, really maddening and frustrating. And, but all I can really do is take care of my own end, which is it's not my place to judge every single person on the face of the planet for how they're not handling COVID stuff. Um, it's just my business to show up and be good to the people around me and to be careful and to be uh, respectful and to be loving to the people who are in my life. Yeah. COVID didn't really bring people together. Like I thought it would not saying viruses really bring people together, but I didn't feel like we're kind of like all divided. It's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, I think at the, at the root of it, the way that I'm seeing it or the lens that I'm looking at is people respond to fear differently. And I think some people take fear and the, their way of overcoming it is to pretend that there is nothing to be afraid of and that there's nothing worrying or concerning. And so they say like, I'm not, you know, you see a lot of this, like, I'm not going to be a sheep. I'm not going to be told what to do. There's nothing to be afraid of. And it's like, well, I mean, it takes a bit of humility, I think, to say like, there are professionals saying there are things to worry and be concerned about. And for some people, those are more concerning, like for people with immune compromise, like who are immune compromised, like those are concerning things. And the professionals are saying it. It's like, eat a slice of humble pie do the difficult thing, stay inside. And like, but on the other end, I totally understand like our, our government's response to this has been ass and we haven't really incentivized people to do those things. We haven't incentivized anybody to be or facilitated people to stay home and be safe because they have to go work. They have to do A, B, and C. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a fucking million angles you can look at it from, but it, I think that the fear is doing all kinds of wonky things to the way that people are responding. And, um, and it's, I think it's unfortunate. I, I think you would love, like you're saying, like fear to be like, wow, you know, we all need to come together and support each other because we're all pretty afraid right now. But I think most people just, the idea of being afraid is pretty uncomfortable. It's not a really, it's not really fun to recognize that as a feeling. Um, and then to try to do something adequate, to handle or to cope with it. Instead, people are just like, what, afraid? No, not me. I'm an adult now and I actually literally can't be afraid. Otherwise I'll start to feel, I'll start to feel really uncomfortable. Um, I think that's a lot of what I'm seeing at least is people just like not really paying attention to the emotional response that, um, that I'm sure we're all having to some degree. But I also do a lot of therapy. So I have outlets to talk about this shit. And like, I have a very um, supportive partner who is 
also, you know, thinks about these kinds of things and wants to have those types of conversations. So I am extremely lucky to be in a place where I have discovered those kinds of um, mechanics for working out um, emotional response or fear or whatever it is, lack of connection. I have places to go and people to, to be in community with. So as a band, do you guys do a pretty good job of checking in with each other, though, then? I feel like we do. I feel <laughs> like I think this season has definitely been harder than any other season. But I feel like there's a... I don't think you can underestimate the band dynamic as a ingredient to what uh, what you're making and how it's how it's going, how the thing is going. So I think naturally like everyone else in this time, fear and anxiety there's a bit of inwardness to everybody personally and with each other and especially because it's not like the band has been particularly busy besides we're releasing some music that we already you know have made but it's always been my opinion that i think that the health of a band dynamic is is a direct ingredient to to what's being made and how it's how it's kind of going to eventually make its way into the world at this at this exact time it hasn't been like we've probably been talking a little less because i don't know we're not going to the studio you know things like that but i still feel that we keep up and i still i think a lot about the about these guys and about what our band is and like kind of like i think of it as a living breathing like entity and like i think about that stuff all the time and i and i feel that it's all things considered in a in a good state it's been like landon mentioned it's been it's definitely been a painful my favorite thing to do in the world is to go down to jason's studio and make stuff with these guys like that's literally my that is my favorite activity um and so that's a little painful but i feel like um, I've always felt supported by these guys and like, I still do. And I feel loved by these guys. And like, so that, that's what I would say. I don't know. Do you guys think you're like underrated at all? Or do you guys feel like you have a pretty good platform and you're happy with it? I'm grateful for what we have. I think we're a little underrated. I'm grateful for what we have, but we're the best band you've never heard. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Tagline. Yeah. Yeah. I've said it I've said it a few times and I always say it jokingly, but there's a part of me that believes it. Like I really do think that we are the best band that a lot of people have never heard. <laughs> yeah. I, but on the but at the same time, I know that there are people with no listeners and no like and they're dying to make music for a living or whatever that means. Um but like I make a living making music and it's incredible. And there are people who would, who would kill to have what we have and to, you know, looking at metrics or whatever else, but I'm, I'm extraordinarily lucky. Like I'm a college dropout, barely made it through high school. And like, what I love to do is make music and it was either this or like appliance repair. And I lucked into making music as a job and I didn't even know that was possible. Um, so I'm extraordinarily grateful. Um, but at the same time, like, I really, really believe in what we do and the music we make. 
And so I feel like, of course, I want more people to hear it. Of course, I like, there's a part of me that longs for like to be vulnerable. Like there's a part of me that longs to be generally respected and widely known. There's a, like, I don't know what that would do for me. I don't know if it would give me anything, but there's some, there's a longing that I have to be critically acclaimed or respected by like other musicians and people. And, uh, and I love playing huge shows. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like, you know, playing for like thousands of people at ACL, that moment is it's fleeting but it's something that sticks with me. Like I remember I have like a taste of that feeling that, that adrenaline of being in front of that many people. And it's really like, you know, it's what I assume climbing to the top of Mount Everest feels like, or like any of those other, it's like, wow, we're, um, we've accomplished something. There is that immediate sense of satisfaction and accomplishment from being in front of that many people. And that's something you get as you are, more widely recognized or more widely known. How does that happen though? Is it, is that just like the ultimate question for like every artist basically? It happens differently for everybody, I think. And sometimes it doesn't happen at all. That's why I would say like, I, I recognize that there's so much to be grateful for. And I do really feel deep gratitude for what we have, but I, it's impossible not to see other people having a, B and C and histor- like, you know, you watch DVDs of, back in like I would watch DVDs of like shows back in the day occasionally and you'd see like these massive crowds or you'd go to shows and it's an amazing experience to be in a sea of that many people singing a song that everybody knows like it's just it is a wonderful magical experience to to share music with the people around you and to be um to be at the center of it all is a very very uniquely special feeling to be on the stage as that's happening to have a bunch of people enjoying the thing that you've made with with people that you love and respect and like love creating stuff with that is a very it's it's magical it's crazy there's no way to really like quantify it or express exactly what it's like but it's unique in a way that that only happens at shows mm-hmm and then there's a very separate thing, which is making the music, which feels a little bit more directly linked to my identity um, and sharing that type of thing in the safe environment of a, of a studio. And like Jason was talking about that puzzle, like solving this mysterious puzzle with two other people is is a really um, amazing exercise. It's my favorite thing in the world. Like Hayden was exactly like Hayden was saying, it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, And it's really fun. I think one of the things I discovered during COVID was music is naturally performative and it's meant to be listened to. And so it's, I think in a variety of different ways, whether that's in headphones or over speakers or live hearing a live rendition of the thing that you have loved previously. Music is meant to be received. It's meant to be listened to. And so as a band, I think one of the things I've, I realize all the time is anything that's stopping us from being that needs to be fixed. Anything that's stopping us from being able to perform and make music that is then received and listened to like the stopgap between writing and releasing needs to be shortened. There's a bunch of things that I've learned 
that COVID has really brought out, I guess, like on a personal level, things are different, but with music, COVID has actually taught me a lot about like what it is that I desire. Mm -hmm. My dream is to have a shelf full of records that I've participated in making. And, and I want each day to be getting closer to that. Anything you guys want to add to that? Okay, my next question is then, like, how, um, so when I, like, listen to artists who have, like, a platform and they talk about, like, an X in a song or something, how did those X's, like, respond to that? <laughs> like, how did, how, how did your guys' X's, like, respond to, like, Alter or an album like that? Not at all. What? No, I mean, uh, our, as a lot of divorces are, like, we didn't have kids, so we have no reason to have any uh, communication. Um, I also did not, we got married really young. I did not um, conduct myself in a way that I am uh, proud of. And I mentioned it in the lyrics, but like, I was on the road. I cheated on her and then hit it, which is just to say like, didn't, wasn't honest about it, developed like all kinds of gnarly anxiety and panic attacks surrounding like hiding that eventually told her. And then we split and didn't really, I think that kind of pain, like when you cause that kind of pain to somebody, it's like, I can only assume for her, it was like, I just don't want to ever hear from this person again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm Justin Bieber and like my face is being thrust in front of her every fucking day on social media or anything. So I think it's probably easy enough just to ignore that I even exist or that my band makes music. Um, but none of it, I, I do want to make clear, like none of it was ever out of spite. I think most of like writing any of those things was about, um, really only about uniquely my perspective and is not really a reflection of it's not my job to reflect to anybody else what kind of a person she actually is but only to talk about my perspective on things and mostly I in my music I just beat myself up over my own mistakes it's not really about holding anybody else accountable for who they are it was always about holding myself accountable for what I was wow. do you guys have like a new project coming out soon then? Cause you guys release, you guys are releasing like these singles and these music videos. Yeah. We have an album that should be coming out in spring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like from 2017 till now, besides like COVID, were you guys working that entire time? Or? Yeah. 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 We kind of wrote, we wrote like a chunk of the album on, um, just kind of like phases of the album. Like I think I mentioned some of this, like, it's really fun when a band has like, you have a lot of goodwill kind of just, it's, it feels like a, a, a breeze at your back. And there's like a few songs, Landon's like falling in love. There's like, um, I think like some songs that were written kind of like touring 2017, 2018 in between. And those have like a certain tone to them. And then like got home. And I think like we got this, it was like we had just played live so much and it was cool to experiment and cool to bring some of that live energy into the studio. Um, and, and yeah, so like there's a really interesting record there that hasn't been touched for, uh, well, it got mixed, which was like part of it. Like Jason mixed a lot of it. And then, um, 
but other than that, like it hasn't been not, not one note has been kind of changed, I guess since about was material boy, the last one, or did something come after? I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, birds was, I think that birds was maybe the last song that was written. Yeah. For this I mean, album. So what, what do you think that was? Was that early 2019? Damn. Maybe it's uh yeah maybe March like something like that a year and a half ago maybe yeah um probably about at a year. least the at least a year all your love was written during the fires um in October but that was but that's like not on the record yeah yeah that, that, was, that was months later so yeah a, a little a little over a year it's been since we wrote anything for this album yeah and then it was all supposed to be prepping you know and we like. I think we played like maybe one or two shows or something after that. And then we um, had, uh, we got let go from our management company and we're finding new managers and trying to sort out all that stuff before releasing the album. And then COVID hit. And then it was like, uh, it was supposed to be a shorter turnaround. Like really the album was supposed to come out. We had talked about the album coming out fall like mm. september this year um but then everything happened it was like obvious that wasn't going to be the way it went um and even that was a longer gap than what i really wanted and i think moving forward that's what i'm really interested in invested personally in trying to make happen is shortening the time between when something is written i mean obviously you hope you write something that's classic and timeless enough that it could be released whenever and but a, a part of what we're trying to do as a band as well is be progressive and something feels distinctly not progressive about making something that feels forward thinking and then waiting a year and a half to release it or two years, three years between albums is entirely too long. And I think we write quickly enough to where that shouldn't be the case. We wrote like 60 songs during the course of making this album. And there's a lot of B sides that I want to release as well, but the album um the album's been finished for for a while wow so this is like a seattle-based podcast have you guys been to like perform in seattle or anything like that or any experiences yeah Yeah. great seattle experiences a couple shows at barboza in the early neptune yeah and then and then on to us we caught a uh what's the soccer team there we did go see a sounders Sounders game yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, and then we played at Marymore Park a couple times uh, with oh, uh, 1077 The End, like their their summer festival yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, uh, had good dumplings there. Hell What'd yeah. you say? The, over by Marymore Park, there's that uh, oh, that place that has really good Xiaolong Bao. Yeah, yeah, and like Thai Toms, like definitely eating there yeah, all really the time. Really good Thai, really good Ethiopian food and Mediterranean food in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. and sushi. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my yeah. ex went to SPU, so I used to spend a lot of time oh. in in Seattle when I was uh, when I was like twenty, twenty one, wow. twenty two, and I uh, yeah. But that's all like that was all like North Queen Anne area, like almost exclusively that area. There's like that there's that strip over there that has like Diablo Coffee. I don't even know if that exists anymore. And then there's this tea house that I used to go to that got shut down at some point in time. I think they went out of business. Yeah. I um, shouldn't see Seattle's getting shut down because of COVID. Yeah. And then, and then like that takes you all the way down to Pike 
so like I would go, you know, do the, do the, like, I, there's this place that makes pasta at Pike's that's like, you can order it online and they make this oh. habanero pasta that is like uh it's a habanero fusilli and it is so good. That's great. Pretty spicy, but so, so, so good. Damn, you're telling me about restaurants that I don't even know about and I'm from here. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's more like you you don't like, they make the dried, they just make the pasta. Like you buy it, you buy the dried pre-made and then you, you know, cook it at home, which was something that I used to do a bit more of like, but that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about about touring or being different places. Um, Yeah, these like weird little, it's like the pasta, like that pasta place or whatever, that specific habanero facility or like in San Francisco, there's this tea shop called Aroma Tea Shop and they do online sales as well. So you can like take a little piece of your travels and kind of bring it home. Or like if I'm ever craving, you know, blue people oolong tea from Aroma in San Francisco, you can just kind of like order it online. Damn. I don't think I've ever gone to a restaurant just to get tea. Yeah, like little tea shops. I even this guy, this guy from Aroma in San Francisco, though, like for real, is crazy. He's like a character, he's like a movie character in real life. But he goes to all these places in Asia and checks out their tea plantations. I think is, I guess the the right term for them. But he goes to these tea plantations and he sources all of his tea by going and like traveling through like Vietnam and Cambodia and stuff, and then he picks the specific areas that he wants his tea from. And then he has them all like shipped to him every year. So he goes on like a, um, he goes on a trip every year, probably not this year, but he goes on a trip every year to these places and sources his tea personally. And then he, he just has this fucking incredible tea shop with like a tasting table and this whole setup. It's, it's out of this world. How, how much do, do you, how much is tea? If you go to get tea at like a, tea place like is it as much as coffee because i feel like i wouldn't want to spend that much money on tea again you don't like you don't get a cup of tea there you, oh, get you just the, buy the tea bag the boxes tea. Yeah. and it's mostly loose leaf like i don't even think oh. he sells anything in bags so he has like jars full of tea and then you portion it out by the amount that you want and then if you order it online they come in vacuum sealed packs okay but nice. everything you know white teas green teas black teas pu'ers like he's got it all oolongs they're they're all there it's it's incredible stuff he and it's not any more expensive necessarily than other tea you can spend more because he has really really good teas but you can also get like pretty you know run-of-the-mill black tea and it's cheap like tea is you sound like a tea connoisseur in my opinion I, i i don't know anyone who's into tea that's crazy i like stuff i get i get obsessive about things i go through kicks like right now it's disc golf um i get i get weird and obsessive about things it's like right now it's uh disc golf and like n60 like mario 64 speed runs and then (laughs) next year it'll be something different and i'll have way too much information about like paintbrushes or something who knows weren't you doing disc golf in the little deaths video yeah so you guys don't wear those outfits like on a normal day right or if you do i mean i own that i own that outfit do you wear it like I don't, just... I don't wear it typically. Like, um, it's very comfortable though. But 
I don't wear it typically. I have, I own a number of dresses. I don't typically wear them like out and about, but I've been known to wear them. Yeah. Wow. What about you? But guys? I don't do the makeup. I don't do the makeup consistently. Yeah. That was, do you wear that see-through fishnet shirt every day? Yeah. That was borrowed <laughs> garment from Landon. That's also mine. <laughs> uh, I think like, yeah. Um, no, it was like a slight twist on. It was uh, Halloween, like, uh, in October 2018, it must have been, we had like a show in Chicago and uh, we all dressed up like that. And it was like a lot of fun. And it oh, was yeah. like, I think it was, it was like, kind of got to do this mixed with like Landon's idea of like the goth pool party originally for Material Boy that didn't pan out. So it was sort of like, let's run it back. Let's, uh, let's get the, let's get the, uh, the get up back on. So it was like, yeah. Not, a day not in the quite, life of the goth. But it was oh, yeah. a good yeah what is that dance called when you're like oh. <laughs> like it's heavily inspired by like this if you i think if you search cyber goth rave uh there's like this amazing video and they're just uh it's a group of cyber goths like raving under a bridge and so what's uh, a cyber goth yeah you're just like you're hitting cyber goths are, cyber goth is a different offshoot of they do like futuristic kind of stuff they're the ones with like the gas masks and the and the awful neon colored dreads you know not to persecute any uh <laughs> subgroups or anything but it it really i mean it's it's white people with multicolored dreads it's like i think i'm allowed to say that's kind of <laughs> shitty <laughs> yeah 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 uh but yeah it's it's definitely like but you, that type of dancing is not just unique to cyber goths. I think that is like general, <laughs> like rave kind of, you can find people dancing like that, at like an alt J show, people who okay. also go to raves, but they like alt J, they will dance like that to alt J. So it's like, why not dance like that to little deaths? What, are, what is, it's just like, is it specifically a movement or are you just doing this and you're just hoping it looks cool? Dude, it's all kinds of things. I don't know. I'm sure there are people who are really good at it, who are like, you're doing it wrong, but. To me, it looks like just it's flow state. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I was just waving my arms. It's yeah, like move. Yeah, yeah I, little bend. I like that Street Fighter move. Yeah, Shadouken. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. can. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, last question for everyone: What is some advice that you each have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? I'll start with uh, Hayden, Jason, and then we'll end with Landon write a lot of songs take a lot of shots like you know an empty journal or an empty uh empty recording session or whatever is like is about the worst it's about the worst thing that can happen i think the only way writer's block exists is by not writing uh not say i've definitely been a victim of that but if i could have any advice it would be um forward motion is is good motion in in the creative state even if it's small even if it's a little uncomfortable even if the results are lackluster i think a lot of reps is a way to get better for sure yeah i think building on on top of writing around a lot of songs is also releasing your best songs at the time i think you can with the internet and stuff um it's just kind of leveled the playing field and people can get discovered in different ways um also, there's just so much information about like making your own music. You don't need to have the fancy gear. You can just have a laptop. And I mean, I know that's expensive too, but you know, <laughs> just stock plugins, all that stuff. Um, 
so many great records have been just made on a laptop like uh i think landon was saying that Fortet just doing midi stuff right now which i found really interesting but um anyway yeah it's just it's there's there's really no there's not really any excuse these days to not make good sounding stuff with the tools the tools are just so widely available so just do it yourself until you can't <laughs> i don't know yeah um advice yeah write a lot i think that's the simplest advice if you're if you're trying to get into music if you're trying to get into any art form the listen to this ira glass there's an excerpt from him talking about closing the gap between your taste and your output and he's talking about it specifically for journalism but he says you know we all got into whatever we're doing because we have good taste or we like our taste we have we feel we have valuable taste and the stuff we're putting out is not up to our own standards um and it takes a little bit of delusion i think to believe to keep writing horse shit until you and until you've practiced enough to where you've closed the gap, you know, you find a little bit of your own unique voice. And I think, um, I'm still, you know, trying to learn how to do that all the time. You keep on trying to close that gap. You keep on trying to fine tune and grow and learn. Um, I don't know what else. I mean, I'm, I'm not really a product of the social media age i'm 30 years old and didn't really grow up on social media like a little bit on myspace you know but that was a very different type of age i think but there's a there's a piece in like the way that i hear people talking about some of these things and art and influence and content and all this stuff there's a piece of me that just wants to like crawl out of my own skin a little bit and be like I just want to tell people like if you're doing it to get attention or you're doing it for any of those reasons, like go do something else. Cause there are people who like need this and like love it more than anything. And they really love doing it for the sake of the thing itself. So if you're doing it because you want the money or the fans or the whatever else, like make room for somebody who's doing it for valuable reasons and like, <laughs> piss off but for the people who are doing it because they love it and because they're just naturally drawn to it and they love it so much just like keep doing it more and more and more don't take no for an answer and learn and connect with people who make what you do even better like you know i found hayden in my teenage years and we made music a lot together and just had a ton of fun connecting over different albums and favorite bands and then we found Jason and he really elevated what we were doing and facilitated a lot of that and has just continued to push us and um, be respectful of the people, treat people with dignity and um, don't be fucking selfish when you're making stuff. Like when it comes to money or whatever else, like it's all going to work out. Don't be a fucking prick. Be yeah. like generous and kind with the people around you. Um, don't burn bridges and don't work with assholes. Uh, if people are being, you know, verbally abusive or, or horrible to you, you'll find somebody else to work with. Um, you don't need to put up with that, but also don't be the person who's doing that to other people. 
get the fuck out. Music is magical. If you're ruining it for other people, you're you're garbage can. You're a dumpster fire. Like go get some therapy and treat people with respect. Like for real. Um, this business is hard. It's hard enough, and the money and all this stuff, and the way people feel about their own personal identity and how that attaches to things can get really wonky. But like, just be good. Be good to people. Be kind. Respect people. Work really hard and find good people to work around. That's like all you can do. There we go. I end the podcast by saying this is the NAS podcast. And then all you guys say your band's name. So it's the NAS podcast with Sir Sly. Sir Sly. <laughs> there we go.